Welcome to Bethlehem Covenant Church's sermon podcast. We pray that you will be blessed as you listen to this message. Well, good morning, everyone. Thanks for joining us here on this March 5th uh, Sunday. Glad that you tune in for the sermon today uh, from Bethlehem Covenant Church. I always love making these. You know, it has been our uh, practice since the beginning of COVID to pre-record the sermon so that I'd be speaking directly to those who are at home as opposed to just a camera kind of streamed in or watching um, uh, the sermon as I talk to other people. I really wanted to make it personal to you. And so I really do think about and pray about who might be watching the sermon and uh, what God would want to say to you all today um, as you're watching. And so thank you for for joining in. Just a couple announcements as we begin. Um, One is we're collecting pop cans, uh, filled pop, um, uh, uh, but cans, not bottles. Um, for a fundraiser we're doing for our reintegration program, working with prison ministry there and the Lincoln Correctional uh, Facility there. And we've been doing some great classes and work and assistance and and that with different people. Uh, And this is a way to do a fundraising support for that. They're having an event. And uh, so if you have any pop that you would like to donate, 12 cans, 24 cans, um, you know, go to the grocery store, buy it, drop it off. It's due uh, next Sunday at 12 and bring it on in and we will uh, we will uh, have as part of our fundraiser. The other thing is Covenant Cedars Camp. Uh, we are uh, having all month of March to register online for camp. Look at your email to find out about the code that you need to put in when you register for camp to get the discount for being a part of our church. And uh, we can give that to anybody uh, who is connected to our church in any way. And so if you need that and want that and want your kid to go to camp, uh, give me a call or email us and we'll, we'll get that information to you. They're also looking for camp counselors, a few more spots to fill for their summer program. So if you have a high schooler or you yourself would also like to maybe help out with a week or two weeks of being a counselor for kids in camp, life changing. And so I hope that you consider that, pray about that. All right, if you have your Bibles, uh, we'll get right into the sermon for today. It's in John 14, uh, beginning in verse 15, and uh, we are working our way through the Gospel of John together. It'll take us all the way to Easter Sunday, which is now in five weeks away, and uh, so we look for that, look forward to that. Um, But uh, this is Jesus teaching right after the Last Supper, some key things that he teaches here um, before he goes to the cross in the morning. And uh, so I'm going to read for us John 14, beginning in verse 15 to 27. And then I'm also going to read two verses in chapter 16, verses 12 and 13, just because they tie to the theme of the Holy Spirit. And so let me uh, read this beginning in verse 15. Jesus says, if you love me, keep my commands and I will ask the father and he will give you another advocate to help you and be with you forever. The spirit of truth. The world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him, but you know him, for he lives with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in the Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Whoever has my commands and keeps them is the one who loves me. The one who loves me will be loved by my Father, and I too will love him and show myself to him. And then Judas, not Judas Iscariot, but the other Judas, said, Lord, why do you intend to show yourself to us, but not to the world? And Jesus replied, anyone 
who loves me, will obey my teaching, and my Father will love him, and we will come to him and make our home with him. Anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. These words you hear are not my own. They belong to the Father who sent me. All this I have spoken to you while with you, but the Advocate, the Holy Spirit, whom the Father will send in my name, will teach you all things and will remind you of everything that I have said to you. Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. I do not give to you as the world gives, so do not let your hearts become troubled and do not be afraid. And then in chapter 16, verse 12 and 13, it says this. My command is this. Love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has none more than this. Oh, no, sorry. That's verse 15. Uh, verse 16, chapter 16, verse 12 and 13 says, I have much more to say to you, more than you can now bear. But when he, the spirit of truth, comes, he will guide you in all truth. He will not speak on his own. He'll speak only what he hears, and he will tell you what is to come. So this morning, I want to speak about three things uh, that are critical to all of us today. Um, one, God wants you to obey him. That's the first thing we'll talk about. Two, the Holy Spirit is uh, a gift to those who believe in Christ. And he is the counselor, our counselor, through life. And then third, peace. This peace that Jesus speaks about here um, that he can give, which is greater than anything that you will face. It's greater than. And so first thing I want to mention, though, is that God wants us to obey him. Now, Jesus tells his disciples here in our scripture in John 14, verse 15, that if you love me, you will keep my commands. And in verse 23, Jesus repeats himself and says, anyone who loves me will obey my teaching. And then in verse 24, Jesus repeats himself for a third time, saying anyone who does not love me will not obey my teaching. For Jesus, our love for him is seen in our obedience to him. To love God means to obey God. It's not just a feeling of love that we have. It's not just saying the words, I love you. It's not just the songs that we sing. But the Lord knows and feels our love when we obey him. God wants us to obey him. This is similar to James 1.22, where it says, don't merely listen to the word and deceive yourselves, but rather do what it says. He says, anyone who listens to the word but does not do what it says is like a man who looks at his face in the mirror and after looking at himself goes away and immediately forgets what he looks like. Whoever, though, looks intently into the perfect law that gives freedom and continues in it will be blessed. Jesus said in Matthew 7, 24, everyone who hears these words of mine and puts them into practice is like a wise man who builds his house upon a rock. The rain comes, the streams rise, the wind blows against that house, yet it does not fall because its foundation is on rock. Now, Jesus was clear. The house doesn't stand simply because we know what the word says. We've heard it in church. But Jesus says, it's those who hear my words and put them into practice. Obey them. That's who is building their house truly upon the rock. From the beginning of time, God commanded our obedience. He created Adam and Eve and gave them only one command. And they didn't even follow that. Then with Moses on Mount Sinai, God gave the people ten commandments written on stone. And within 24 hours, they had broken them. 
Moses pleaded with the people to obey God after they entered into the promised land. Moses told the people in Deuteronomy 28, if you fully obey the Lord your God and are careful to follow all his commands, the Lord will set you high above all nations and all these blessings will come upon you if you obey the Lord your God. God told Joshua in Joshua 1.7, be strong and courageous. Be careful to obey all the law my servant Moses gave you. Don't turn to it to the right or to the left, that you might be successful wherever you go. And in our scripture for today, Jesus is telling his disciples something so similar. He's saying, if you love me, you'll obey me. And this really hit me this week. First, it hit me just simply because remembering that obedience is important to God and needs to be something important to me, something that I'm striving for in my everyday life and resisting that temptation when it comes, praying about the things that I keep falling into or that are disobedient to God and surrendering those to Him and spending time with God and, and allowing Him to to change me from a heart level that I might live a life that is pleasing to him and holy. I just can't use the excuse all the time, you know, that I'm human and God knows and he'll forgive me. Of, of course he knows. And of course in Christ we find this beautiful forgiveness. But he also desires our obedience to be holy as he is holy and and so when I fall, I've got to confess my sin and receive his forgiveness. But I've got to get up and I've got to keep striving, keep striving towards because obedience is important to the Lord. But the second thing in the, about why this, if you love me, you will obey me, I think is so important to me, is that it hit me this week that Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. And I realized something big has just happened in the Bible at this point when he says those words. For I don't think I ever thought about this before, but what Jesus is saying, what he's teaching his disciples here is a shift. I really think this, a shift in the motivation for our obedience. If you love me, you'll obey me. In the Old Testament, it was fear that drove them in obedience. It was the fear of punishment even. And, and if you don't obey God, you know, curses are going to come down upon you. But with Jesus, it appears here that love has replaced fear as the primary motive for obeying God. Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey me. Right? Jesus is about to die on a cross for our sins. In him, we're going to find forgiveness of sins and eternal life. He has chosen mercy for us. We are not saved by our works, but we are saved by our faith in him and his sacrifice for us. And so obedience is no longer about salvation, but it is our act of worship now. It is our love in response to what God has already done for us. Loving God becomes the new reason, you could say, for living and our motive for obeying. It is no longer fear of punishment because perfect love of God has cast out all that fear. Romans 8 says there's now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And so instead of fear being the motive to obey God, our new motive to obey God is love. 
We love him. And so we want to obey him and do what pleases the Lord. You see, my grandma had me memorize a tiny little verse that's found in Ephesians 5.10, which simply says, find out what pleases the Lord. You know, as a married man uh, who loves his wife, I want to know, uh, you know, carry in such a way and live in such a way that I would live a life that is pleasing to her, that brings her joy. I don't want to hurt her. I want her to know my love through my actions. I want to come alongside, assist, and bless her, right? And, and as a son, I, I want to do this for my mother and my father, and you know that in the same way. Well, well, we have a relationship with God, our Father, and Christ, his Son. And, and if who they are matters to us, is important to us, then it's no longer just about rules, but it's ways that we can now love them and serve them and bless them. If we respect and care about them and trust them and recognize that every command that they gave us is good, and if we think about the sacrifice Christ did for us, then by faith and love, this becomes the new desire of our life to find out what pleases the Lord and to do it. Because look at everything he's done for us, right? Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me. Not to get to heaven, but because I love you and gave my life for you and because you know me and my desire for you is good and because I am holy, so be holy. This relationship of love of the Lord becomes the highest reason that we obey him. And nothing is more powerful than love. We will do whatever it takes for those that we love, right? We'll make great sacrifices for them. Uh, my wife Carrie has often shared about a time in her past when she was struggling with something and, and how she would often repeat the words in her head, I love Jesus more. I love Jesus more. And, and, and that would help her overcome things in her life. And, and, and I have followed that example. I've thought about it often and have followed her example in my temptations. I have often said the same thing in those key moments. And I remember Christ's love and remind myself of the cross and of all of God's faithfulness and blessings to me. And, and, and I remember, I love him more. I want to do what I do to please God, not to, not to hurt him or disrespect him. And so it's helped me. It's helped me walk away from something and obey because he loves me and I love him. Jesus said, if you love me, you'll obey me, right? Love of God becomes the new reason for everything that we do. But the second thing in this scripture is that we, we learn here is not just obeying God, but also the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit is God and also a gift from God, and he is our daily counselor who comes to live in us. I grew up in a church that spoke a lot about Jesus, but I rarely heard anything about the Holy Spirit. But Jesus right here promises the Holy Spirit to his disciples and to us and says in John 16, 7, that it is good for the disciples that he go away because unless he goes away, the counselor or Holy Spirit um, will not come. But if he goes, Jesus said, I will send him to you and this is better for you. The Holy Spirit is the third person of the Trinity, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That is why I say that the Holy Spirit is God, but also a gift from God, because Jesus says, when I leave, he's going to come 
And Jesus says it's good for you that he does. Now, why is it so good for us that the Holy Spirit would come to us? Well, because instead of Jesus just being one man, you know, physically with 12 disciples in one region at one time, the gift of the Holy Spirit was going to make it possible that God, that Christ, could be with us every day in every believer all around the world for all time. And so it's like having Jesus personally walk with you everywhere you go. And not just you, but everyone who has accepted his message. We are all filled with the Holy Spirit. He comes to live in each of us the moment that we accept Christ as our Savior. The Holy Spirit's not just with Billy Graham. He's not just with Mother Teresa. He's not just with your pastor or priest. But the Holy Spirit lives even in the child who at the age of seven believes in him. The moment that little girl or boy prays that prayer and says, Lord, I believe in you. Forgive me my sins. Come live in my heart. The moment the father sends the Holy Spirit to live inside that child, never to leave. That's an absolutely amazing and beautiful thing. The Bible says in Ephesians 1.13, when you believed, you were marked in him with a seal, the promised Holy Spirit, who is a deposit guaranteeing your inheritance until the day of redemption. It says, when you believed. In Acts 2.38, when Peter was preaching his first sermon, the people were moved. They asked what they must do to be saved. And Peter responded in Acts 2.38, saying, Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins. And you, too, will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. The promise is for you and your children and for all those who are far off, for all whom our Lord and God will call. At the moment that we believe, the Father sends the Holy Spirit to live in you. And this was a new thing God was doing. Before Jesus, the Holy Spirit, of course, was around. And we see him in the story of creation. We see him throughout the Old Testament. But he didn't live in people. This is something new that was happening now post-Jesus. Why is it all waited until? Because the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in dirty temples, in sinful people. He is God. He is holy. But because Jesus has now cleansed us out of all of our sin on the cross, we now become the temple the Holy Spirit can dwell God with us. And that is why we first have to believe in Jesus and ask him to forgive us of our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. And then once purified by that faith in the blood of Christ, the Father then sends the Holy Spirit to come live in us. That is why the Holy Spirit doesn't dwell in people in the Old Testament. We read the Holy Spirit hovering upon the waters. We read the Holy Spirit coming upon a person for a particular task or the prophets or something. But Joel 2.28 is a prophecy in the Old Testament where it speaks about the day when the Holy Spirit would come upon all people. This very scripture. In Joel 2.28, God said, After this, I will pour out my Spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your old men will dream dreams. Your young men will see visions. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my Spirit in those days. This is speaking about the time that Jesus is in right there. Right when he's going to the cross and he Right before he's going to rise from the dead and ascend into heaven. And the, he tells his disciples, okay, now is the time when the Holy Spirit is going to be poured out. 
Jesus said in verse 17, the world won't accept the Holy Spirit because it neither sees him nor knows him, but we know him for he lives with us and will be in us. Jesus is telling us here that there is going to be a difference about you the moment you become a Christian. When you become a Christian, there's going to be a change to you. Your future will now be in heaven secure, but you will also have the Holy Spirit that will be living inside of you from that day on. He will be living with you. The world won't be able to see him. You can't see him, but you will know him. He will be there. A doctor won't be able to open you up and point to this new thing living in you. Your friends, though, will notice a change about you that they can't quite put their finger on wonder if it's Jesus. What is the change that is about you after you give your life to Christ? Well, it's the literal Holy Spirit of God now living inside of you. And Jesus tells us in the scripture who the Spirit is and what he comes to do. First, Jesus calls the Spirit our counselor, or some translations use the word advocate. The Greek word is paraclete. It means both counselor, comforter, advocate. Literally, it means the one who walks alongside of you. Isn't that great? The one who will walk alongside of you from now on every day of your life. This is why Jesus told his disciples, I'm not leaving you as orphans. You're not going to have to walk alone. I'm going to the Father and I'm going to send to you the one who's going to walk alongside of you. Sometimes we talk about how Jesus lives in our heart. But the truth we find in this scripture is not, it's the Holy Spirit that lives in our heart. Jesus is living in heaven, seated at the right hand of God the Father right now. But it's the Holy Spirit that he sends that is living inside of you. Jesus says he is our counselor and advocate. And both of these words reveal really the, what the Holy Spirit's come to do. An advocate, uh, it, the Holy Spirit stands up for you, confirming that you belong to God intercedes for you in prayer as a counselor or a comforter the holy spirit will guide you and lead you and speak to you uh, jesus said the holy spirit would convict us of sin and remind us of all that he had said and the uh, holy spirit will use the word of god in our life or a sermon that we may be here or a song that we hear on the radio to to lead and to guide and to speak us uh, speak to us it is the holy spirit that we are hearing in those things. I love the translation comforter referring to the Holy Spirit because have you ever noticed that when you're stressed or hurting or going through something, it just helps to have a friend with you? It really does. A family member who's sitting beside you, someone who gives you a hug, and that presence of that other person is a comfort and a strength. When I was in college far away in Chicago, I had a sledding accident and broke a few ribs when I was a freshman, and I ended up in the hospital all by myself, far away from home. But my pastor from Colorado happened to be in Chicago that exact same weekend for a conference. And so he heard about me, and he drove over to see me and, and uh, came and sat with me. And, and as that doctor walked in, my pastor was there too, and just his presence in the room with me was a comfort. Well, this is what Jesus is saying the Holy Spirit's going to be like for us. When we face these big things, when we may feel alone, he wants his disciples to know they're not going to be alone. For the very real Holy Spirit is the presence of God that will be with them in that moment. 
to be both a comfort and a strength and a guide and leading in their life. Jesus said the Holy Spirit is our advocate, comforter, and counselor. In verse 17, he says that the Spirit is the Spirit of truth. In verse 26, Jesus said the Holy Spirit will teach you all things and remind you of everything that I've said. So, you know, think about it. How did the disciples remember all the sermons that Jesus gave them over the years and all those parables that are written down for us in such great detail? It's because the Holy Spirit put them into their minds, reminded them of what he had said. How do we, in the moments of our life, suddenly remember a Bible verse as we're going through something that just pops in there or, or the truth that our mom said long ago to us or a sermon illustration or whatever it is that brings such truth and direction the moment that we need it? It's the Holy Spirit that is doing that, reminding you of what is true, what Jesus said and those Bible promises. The devil is called the great deceiver, but the Holy Spirit the spirit of truth. And when our heads are filled with lies and doubts and fears and we're lost and confused, it's the Holy Spirit that brings the clarity and uses the word to guide us back to where we need to be. It's the Holy Spirit that convicts us of sin. Have you ever experienced that conviction? Oh, it isn't just conscience. It's the Holy Spirit in a believer that is saying, hey, that's not right. Watch out. Turn around. Don't do that. It's the Holy Spirit that causes us to repent and to ask God for forgiveness and turn back to Him. The Holy Spirit will, most of the time, I think, use the Word of God. As we read it, the Holy Spirit will help us understand how to apply it to our lives. In John 16, 13, Jesus says, the Holy Spirit will guide you, won't speak on His own, but will only speak what He hears from our Lord. The Holy Spirit is the way Jesus communicates with you. As we keep going through the New Testament, we learn about the Holy Spirit, and uh, like uh, how the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. These are the things the Holy Spirit is doing inside of us, trying to grow in greater measure as we listen and walk with Him. We also learn in the New Testament the Holy Spirit will give us gifts, equipping us to serve God better. He will equip some to be pastors, others teachers, leaders, gifts of encouragement, hospitality, mercy, you name it. These are not just natural abilities. These are gifts of the Spirit that He chooses what He wants for us to have where we're at to carry out God's will. So Jesus speaks about all this here, really. He's saying the Holy Spirit is God, but also a gift from God that the disciples and us would receive by faith in him and he will be with us every day and in us our daily counselor advocate who will guide us into the truth remind us of what jesus said and help us to live the christian life and do the christian work and then the last thing i want to mention here about our scripture for today is that jesus teaches here about this peace this peace that jesus promises disciples that will be a peace that will be greater than any trouble that they or we will face. The Hebrew word for peace is shalom, and it means complete peace. It means being whole as a person, being at rest with God and ourselves and this world and what we have or don't have, and it is absolute trust. Shalom is not living on a beach with no worries. 
it is peace right in the middle of all the real trials of life that we go through. The image the Bible uses of peace is a bird resting in the cleft of a rock during a mighty storm. This little hiding place it is found, this mini cave within this strong rock that protects it, that allows this bird, this mama bird, to give, make her nest and have her babies there in the middle of that rock and the, during the storm as it beats against. But she is calm. She is at rest because she knows she's safe within that rock. Well, this is the peace that God gives us in Jesus Christ, that we live in his hands. There's no safer and better place to be when you're in the hands of God. And if God is for us, I mean, who can stand against us? And if he loves us and saved us and is overall, then why are we afraid anymore? We're in his hands. This is shalom. And this is what Jesus is communicating to his disciples and promising to them in verse 27 when he says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give to you. I do not give as the world gives, so don't let your hearts become troubled and don't be afraid. Jesus is saying, my peace is not like what you'll find out there in the world. The only peace that this world can offer us is maybe financial security for a little while, but that's really no guarantee. That comes and goes with the markets and, or a drug that might help for a little bit to ease some of the pain or a vacation, but that doesn't take your problems away. Eventually, you got to come back or a new leader, you know, that we all put our faith in that promises us the world, but it never turns out or an agreement between two people not to fight anymore, but... The only peace this world can offer us, you see, is this temporary peace in our circumstances or in people which we know we can't fully trust because everyone will eventually change or let us down or hurt us at some point because we're all sinners. But peace, you see, with God is different than all of that. It's based on Him. Him who always is and always will be. It is based on his faithfulness, which you can always count on. His mercy, his love, which is without any end. His salvation, which isn't dependent on you or anybody else, but on Christ alone. Jesus is saying, I got a peace for you that's not like anything in this world. And it's a peace that I'll give you. And that's the key. The peace that Jesus offered isn't found anywhere else but Jesus. You have to receive it from him. You can't have peace about your past regrets or your present troubles or your future fears. You can't have peace with yourself or other people without Jesus. Believing and receiving and accepting him and the peace that he brings with him. He forgives all our past. He is present in all our present. He is taking care of our future, even our death. He is the rock beneath our feet. He is the shelter in the middle of the storm. He is the love that never leaves. He is the way when we can't find another way. He is the light that is shining in every darkness. He is the Father who knows where we are and when we're lost. 
and can't find our way home. He is our strength and our weakness. He is all we ever really need. Our hope every day. The one who holds us and our life. The disciples were all going to face really difficult times. So the Lord reminded them first to walk in obedience he told them all second that he would never leave them alone, but would send to them the Holy Spirit who would walk alongside of them. And then third, he says, I'm going to give you my peace. Even when a world's going to hate you, even when your own neighbors might persecute you, I'm going to hold on to you. And I'm never going to let you go. And one day you're going to be in paradise with me forever. You got nothing to fear. 1 John 4.18 says, perfect love casts out all fear. And that's the kind of love that God has for you in Christ. Perfect love, which brings perfect peace. I hope you have a wonderful Sunday. God bless you. Thanks for listening to this week's message. To stay up to date with all of Bethlehem Covenant Church's information and events, head to bccwaverly.org.